After a few weeks of special events like Mother's Day and Baccalaureate and Confirmation Sunday, we come back to 1 Timothy, finish our study in this epistle, 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we read verses 17 through verse 21. A word to the wealthy. 1 Timothy 6, beginning at verse 17. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited, but to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. O Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you, avoiding worldly and empty chatter and the opposing arguments of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and thus gone astray from the faith. Grace be with you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word that you have given to us. Thank you, Lord, for the challenge that we see today and using that which you have entrusted to us in a way that honors you, in a way that ministers to others, in a way that lays up for the future a good foundation. Father, teach us, we pray. May the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When you looked at the title of today's message in your bulletin, I wonder if some of you were thinking, this really doesn't apply to me today. So I don't really have to listen, but I'll pray for those who really need to hear a sermon on wealth. huh? Well, I suppose if you compare yourself to the wealthy who live in our country, uh, maybe... Most of us probably aren't in that uh, top 1%, are we? We're not the, the wealthiest people in our country. But if you compare yourself with the rest of the world, I think we'd have to agree that all of us are, are really wealthy. Uh, we have been blessed in so many, many ways. And so it does really apply to, to us today. A word to the wealthy. The first thing Paul tells us in verse 17 is that we shouldn't be proud of our wealth. He says, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. A warning to the wealthy about pride is clearly a needed warning. Because riches have a way of causing our heads to swell, to want to put it that way. We can begin to think that we are more valuable than other people simply because of what we own. And the more we own, perhaps the greater the temptation This was likely an issue in the congregation that Timothy served, the Ephesian church, because the city of Ephesus was a very prosperous city. 
And so some within the Ephesian congregation who were wealthy may have been thinking quite highly of themselves. Uh, They may have walked around with their noses up in the air because they were rich. They had much of the things of this world. The word translated conceited gives this picture. It's a compound verb, a meaning to think lofty or to have an exalted opinion of oneself. And so Paul is saying here, don't let money cause you to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. In the Greek culture of Paul's day, a more humble attitude about one's wealth wouldn't have been seen as a virtue. Uh, Richard Lenski says the world of the Greeks despised the humble, lowly mind and admired the self-assertive mind which imposed its will on other men. And so wealthy believers not only had their old nature to deal with when it comes to this uh, temptation to be proud, the culture had a way of encouraging that as well. And so this word to the wealthy, don't be proud, is a needed word. I remember standing in line one day at, uh, I think it was Home Depot, and there was a man in front of me that was buying something for maybe $30, $40, and, and he took his credit card and ran it through, and there was a problem with it. And the lady said, I'm sorry, sir, but uh, your card was rejected. And he looked at her. And it was quite interesting. He said, Ma'am, I want you to know that I am worth millions. I am worth millions, and I can't even use my credit card to buy something worth 50 bucks. What is this? And he left what he was buying on the counter, and he walked out the door. There's the pride of the wealthy. I needed warning. Paul says, don't be proud of your wealth. The second thing he says, not only don't be proud of your wealth, but don't put your hope in your wealth. Paul goes on to say, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. How many of you have had a financial planner come and sit at your kitchen table and talk about investing for the future so that you can arrive at financial security? Have you had, had, had that kind of visit? You know what I've often told those financial advisors who talk about financial security? I'll say in a nice way, there's no such thing. <laughs> There really is no such thing. You cannot be secure financially in a world where money can be gone overnight. Is there any such thing as being financially secure by putting your trust in your 401k or your land or whatever it is you own as if somehow that's going to protect you? I think it's good to plan for the future. I'm not saying that at all. But you can't put your trust in money because it is, as Paul says, uncertain. Do not fix your hope on the uncertainty of riches. 
And Paul could have had in mind many different passages in the Old Testament as he wrote these words. I think of Proverbs chapter 11, verse 28. He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. Proverbs chapter 23, verses 4 and 5, Paul says, Do not weary yourself to gain wealth. Cease from your consideration of it. When you set your eyes on it, it is gone. For wealth certainly makes itself wings like an eagle that flies toward the heavens. Ever looked in the back of a dollar bill? Don't you see on there? You'll see an eagle. And that ought to remind you, every time you pull out your wallet, you take one of those $1 bills and you, you put it on the counter, those dollars can literally fly out of your wallet. Now, I don't know if you young people have realized that yet, but as you get older, I'll tell you what, money goes pretty fast. Like an eagle, it flies away. And by the way, it doesn't grow on trees either. So be uh, more conservative in what you want your parents to provide for you. Someone has said the only thing certain about material riches is that they are passing away. So what are you going to do? If you are putting your hope and your money and all of a sudden it is gone, you will be sadly disappointed because you will have nothing to stand on. If you're putting your trust in the things of this world, they can be gone like that. And then what will you have? Paul says instead of fixing our hope on riches, we ought to fix our hope on God. He says, don't fix your hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. You see, putting our hope in God is in no way uncertain. (laughs) Like putting our hope in riches, He is faithful and He owns enough. Let me remind you, He owns enough to provide for all of your needs. I think of those verses in the 50th Psalm. Verses 10 through 12, verses that you've probably heard before. And when I find it, I'll read it for you. Psalm 50, verses 10 through 12 says this, For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird of the mountains and everything that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, the Lord says, for the world is mine and all that it contains. So God owns everything in this world, and He isn't stingy. He richly supplies us with all things to enjoy, Paul says. Richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. You know what? Some believers have trouble with that, the idea of enjoying something. Um, Feeling guilty that they enjoy Something, And yet, what does Paul say here? God has supplied us all things to enjoy. 
Every good and perfect gift comes from where? Comes from above. And so we ought to enjoy what God gives us, thank Him for what He gives us, praise Him for what He gives us, recognizing that everything we have is a gift from Him. So don't put your hope in wealth. Put your hope in God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. The third word he says, don't be selfish with your wealth. So enjoying what God gives us doesn't mean that we keep it to ourselves. It doesn't mean that we say, well, this is a gift from God. I'm just going to enjoy it myself. Paul goes on to challenge the wealthy to share what they have. Verse 18, he says, instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous, to be ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. Notice how Paul gives us two incentives to share with others. He says, when we give to others, we lay up treasures in heaven. Storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future. We read from Matthew 6 this morning. Don't lay up treasures on earth where moth and rust come in and thieves break in and steal, but lay up treasures in heaven. And where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, Jesus says. One author puts it this way, The rich are not to be concerned with getting a return on their investments in this life. Those who lay up treasure in heaven will be content to wait to receive their dividends in the future, when they reach heaven. So what is Paul saying? We need to have an eternal perspective on how we use our money. Are we using it for things that have eternal value? Are we putting it into ministry? Are we we giving it for the sake of the kingdom? Are we honoring Jesus with our first fruits? Giving to the work of His kingdom. Paul says that lays up treasures. A good foundation for the future. Then he goes on to say that when we give to others, we take hold of that which is life indeed. Very interesting phrase at the end of verse 19. So that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. See, Timothy had obviously been given eternal life, a gift of God's grace in his life. If you jump back to verse 12, uh, Paul says, fight the good fight of faith, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. God had blessed him, given him that gift of everlasting life. But when we think of everlasting life, eternal life, it isn't just a quantity of life that we experience in heaven when we die, but eternal life is also a quality of life that we experience now. It is no longer living for ourselves. It is living for Jesus and serving others. It is life indeed. Or as some translations say, truly living. (laughs) That's truly living. The people that are living for themselves, they are just existing. They don't know what life really is. 
But when you have eternal life, when you know Jesus as your Savior, and you begin, begin living for His glory and His praise and serving others, that is life indeed. That is life abundant. That's truly living. Truly living. Jesus said, and as quoted by Paul in Acts 20, verse 35, it is more blessed to, what? Give than it is to receive. Ever watch those uh, hoarders on TV? Isn't that just disgusting? I mean, you look at their houses and... uh, so much stuff that they can never part with. I remember seeing one of them, rats and mice all over. It just, oh, they just cannot think of, of giving anything away. That's a miserable, miserable way to live, isn't it? Just looking at your things, these are mine, and, and I'm never going to get rid of them. I'm never going to give them away. That's not living. That's not life indeed. What a miserable way. To live. When you know Jesus and you you begin to understand that you're just a steward, that He's entrusted these things to you, that you might use them for the glory of His kingdom, life becomes exciting. You live with an eternal perspective. You're laying up treasure in heaven that can't be taken away, that will not rot will not mold, will not rust, will not disappear. Peter talks about that in 1 Peter 1, an inheritance that is undefiled, imperishable, and it will not fade away. There was a man who visited a very wealthy rancher in the state of Texas. And this rancher said, As far as you look that way, he said, as far as you can see, I own that land. He says, look out this way. As far as you can see that way, he said, I own that land too. And as far as you can see that way, I own that land as well. And as far as you can see that way, I own that land as well. The arrogance of the wealthy. And the friend of his was very wise. He was a believer. He said, how much do you own up there? He said, never thought of that. Never thought of that. And how many people never think of that? Not living with an eternal perspective. Not viewing what God has given to them as a resource, as stewards, to use for the glory of His name, for the upbuilding of His kingdom for the encouragement of those in need. So don't be proud of your wealth. We are wealthy. We live in a very wealthy land. Don't put your hope in your wealth. Like an eagle, it can fly away. Don't be selfish with your wealth. Lay up treasures in heaven. It's a good foundation for the future. Let's pray. Father, you've blessed us so wonderfully, more than we deserve, much more than we deserve. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be good stewards of that which you have entrusted to our care. 
not becoming proud, not becoming selfish, but rather giving generously. Recognizing, Lord, that the way we live has eternal consequences. So, Lord, we love you for who you are and for all that you've done for us. You have, you have given us the greatest gift you could give in your Son. And along with him, you have given us freely all things. Help us to use that which you've entrusted to us for your glory. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.